Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of our bonus series on orthodoxy, that incredible work by G.K. Chesterton that first came out in, I don't know, 1908, 1909. We are revisiting it here in the Love Good studio with Jason Craig over the next month. And it's a book that we put out to all of our patrons over three years ago, a beautiful Love Good edition with commissioned artwork on the front cover by one of our apprentices, Austin Smith, and frankly, the most beautiful format of this book I've ever seen. But it's a book that dives into the mysteries of what it means to be human, what it means to pursue the truth, what it means to have even a philosophy of life. And while we're still at the beginning of the summer, this is an incredible opportunity for all of us to say, you know what? I'm ready to go deeper than ever before. I've probably got a little bit more time on my hands right now. Maybe travels have really slowed down. Maybe you're still looking for work. Maybe as a family, you're just kind of, you know, hanging out and laying low because it's the summer and it's an incredible time to pick up books and especially to pick them up together and to be both edified and challenged. And that's what this book is doing for all of us who are tuned in for the next several weeks is we're being edified and challenged by Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton's own pursuit of truth, of philosophy, of what it means to be human. And today, Jason Craig, our featured guest, our, our collaborating, contributing guest for the next few weeks, he and I dive into this virtue of humility. I mean, within the first two chapters of Orthodoxy, Chesterton's wit and his humility is on full display. And I suppose that's really easy to forget that in fact, any honest pursuit of truth, any building of a philosophy requires humility. It requires a, a chasing after ideals that are bigger than you. And that really is the starting place as we talk about the art of being human, as we talk about any sincere pursuit of truth, we've gotta be humble enough to recognize that we don't have it all figured out, that we actually on our own can't figure it out. So today is a, a really beautiful deep dive into the first couple of chapters of Orthodoxy and just a really wonderful reminder alongside Jason Craig that humility is everything, especially in the intellectual life, especially in any honest pursuit of what it really means to be human. So before I'm back in the studio with Jason Craig in just a moment, enjoy this beautiful single from Rebecca Rubion. She released it in 2017. It's called You. You got my head spinning and it won't stop. It won't stop. You got my heart racing and it won't stop. It won't stop. You got my head spinning and you're walking me to the door. You leave me wanting more. You got my heart racing when you're kissing me goodnight. You're making me feel alright. You got my head spinning now you're walking me down the aisle. We've waited for a while You 
up my heart racing And I can't wait to spend my life holding you The only possible excuse for this book is that it is written as an answer to a challenge. Even a bad shot is dignified when he accepts a duel. (laughs) The opening line of Chesterton's perennial work, Orthodoxy. Jason, we've got a, I wouldn't call it a long road ahead, an exciting, (laughs) rarely traveled road ahead. Right. um, Which is going to be an intellectual journey with our, our homeboy, Gilbert Keith. Homeboy. Who, you might know some of these details, lived in a small little village called Beaconsfield. I've actually been to his very tomb or his grave where he's buried with his really? wife. Yeah, been there twice. Huh. And nobody seems to care. No one seems to notice. In fact, it, this was just in the news a few months really? ago. His home, which is currently set aside as some kind of real place of heritage in the UK, uh, is about to be sold, which means it'll probably just not be this place of heritage and and great memory. We should pray the angels transfer his house somewhere. Or dignified. that they sell it to love good. I mean, that would be <laughs> so doable. At a, reason, well, I At was a for, reasonable price. I was for the free gifts from the angels. You're ready to buy it. So, <laughs> so uh, we got to start somewhere. And I think starting with the very right, beginning is a good place. Let's start with the fact that you said, and this is something I've heard. I just heard from one of our mutual good friends, Danny, that... The book is difficult. Yes. And I actually said, uh, you know, Josh, another mutual friend, he said, so we're going to do, and 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 I'm coming from the, the you know, this Sword and Spade magazine. Yep. Which, <clears throat> and Fraternus, which are very much things that deal with average guys. Everyday working men. Everyday, yep. normal, provide for your family, go to work. You know, the guys that are right now in coronavirus, more, more nervous than anybody. And they're, well, that's a hard book. And it, and it is... Because he, Chesterton is clearly talking to, in somewhat of a mocking way, his yeah. opponents. Yeah. Because he's trying, he's doing the jujitsu, you know, he's letting them come at him and he's flipping them over, which is a funny image because he's fat, <laughs> right? So he... By the way, he was friends with so many of these people too. Yeah. No, he's totally friends you know? with them. I mean, he, he speaks with them as if it's like a first name. I know. <clears throat> as if he just sent this to them. Yep. Or they're in a group and they're like, well, you know what Jimmy says over there is uh-huh. you know, ridiculous. He wants to buy J.K. Chesterton's home. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> I'm waiting for the angels. So it is difficult. Okay. So I think there are a lot of people out there. And, I, you know, part of our hopes was was to inspire people to read the book. But also we're going to plow through some of the ideas that, let's face it, not everyone's going to, whether it's time or not to be insulting, but ability to, to plow through it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes... And I and that's not all, that's not all the reader because sometimes Chesterton he's so good at writing. It's I don't know if you ever get this. At some point you're like, okay, you're just writing this whole next paragraph because you're good at it. Yeah, you've yeah. made your point, but now you're just walking over the corpse like he's dead, man. I mean, <laughs> you can let it let it die. I don't know why you keep, but the his. His paradoxes and his, you know, hilarious turns of phrase. Yeah. So it keeps going and it, it can be difficult. However, the thing is, is, is I think the intuition of the common man, which he might have a hard time articulating himself, Chesterton's showing to be the genius of the world. That's right. right. That it's not, it's not the Pharaoh who had the, the pyramids built for himself. That was the genius. It was the men that were able to build it. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. And Chesterton's trying to, which is my own analogy, by the way, it's not Chesterton's. Because that's what I think of these guys is that they're the ones able to build. I'm interested because you you mentioned earlier when you were talking like you're you're at a school and you were wearing a tie. So I in your high school, which is hilarious for me to think about because the public school in the backwoods of North Carolina that I right, went to. Right. But 
I grew up around these common men. So my grandfather's a scientist, right? Brilliant guy, but he built houses on the side. My father kind of, you know, everyone else in the family were, you know, clergymen and Methodists and doctors and <clears throat> very achieved Duke. My dad drops out of school. He's a construction worker yeah. his whole life. And I grew up around those guys. And always, though, was given, I th- it was, now I think it's a special grace to see the guys who were able to build the houses as more blessed than those able to afford to have them built. Mm. And they don't know. I think the common man doesn't know how much wisdom he has. So I'm excited to plow through the book because he's, they, they don't know how much of a treasure they are, but he does. Mm-hmm. And he's using their inherited wisdom, their intuition towards conserving what is worth conserving and tossing out what's worth tossing out. He's, he's using that to show that all of these high-minded ideals, these ivory tower ideas are, are mental constructs that are, that are really a house of cards. The guys who can build a house of stone are intimidated by the guys building houses of cards, yeah. right? And yeah. Chesterton shows who's got the better house. That's the, that's the miracle of Chesterton because yeah. he obviously had a brilliant intellect. He had a way of putting words together unlike many in the English speaking I, I don't know anyone like it. In history, yeah. right? And yet it was always back to the basics, always back to the fundamentals with him. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, just I'm sure came an incredible humility or, or better yet, it was his humility who even, you know, his humility kept him coming back to the essentials, right. to the first principles. <clears throat> he was aware of his own foolishness. Uh, but he wasn't afraid of a fight. And yeah. that's why I love the opening line. Because yeah. honestly, right now, I think we're living in the midst of a lot of dull, boring, and sprawling heresies. Yeah. And uh, post-modernism. They're so tired. I mean, they're, they're so, so <laughs> Like, they're not even remotely appealing yeah. to the human heart anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Even if they were for half a second intellectually stimulating or, oh, that could be interesting. Most of it is just disappointed. Yeah. And that's, I think, where we are as a society right now. And yeah. especially with this kind of time of quarantine, which by the time this releases, most of us will be out of you don't know that <laughs> i hope so yeah, tennessee's maybe. opening up church next monday opening up church i'm opening glad the state's letting us worship church. again i know yeah. yeah but all of this is an opportunity for people to pull back the veil right. even of their own hearts and minds and say what am i living for what is this right. life really all about Chesterton did that without a virus or a pandemic on his hands right but he does it in a way that i think all of us can get excited about yeah and if we're going to do know? it if we're going to follow him through it whether now, th- let's face it, very few of the opponents, most people that are going to be watching this, listening to us talk, and us, they're, they're not interested. They're mm. not talking about it. So I guess there is some gaining confidence of those that are with the idea of orthodoxy. Yeah. But it's also, we need to be aware of how much of the modern, bland, brutalist, materialist, in- materialist you, know? you know, isms that we believe, that we, we believe them. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, just stuff that I, I'm amazed and he's, he gets, I don't want to get ahead, but he gets to this at the end of the book. Every day you're surprised mm-hmm. by your faith and yes, you're, it's almost yes. annoying how often it asks you to be purified and get humble again, you yeah. know, and you're learning and you're growing and you think you're somewhere and you're really nowhere. And Chesterton starts there, right? Yeah. That's why he's able to be changed, right? That's why he's able to discover. And the joy of that astonishment. Right. You and know, the joy of those it. surprises. My wife reminded me on the way out, she read a book, The Woman Who Was Chesterton, <laughs> about his wife. Oh. And of course my nice. wife reads that and she sort of makes fun of me with it that you know Chesterton literally he did have his his head really was in very high thought all the time. So he would leave the example she gave for some reason as I'm on my way here 
was he would leave with a pocket full of money and come home without it and not remember at all where he spent it. Wow. Have no idea. And he's just, you know, and he would, you know, leave without a shoe on or just these, well, that's, you know, That's that's the line about the poet who has his head in the heavens. Right, right. Go know? to it. Go to and, it. And that's really where we're at is this foundation in humility. He says here, the poet only asked to get his head into the heavens. It's the logician, the rationalist, the modernist <laughs> who seeks to get the heavens into his head. And it is his head that splits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the beginning point, I think, for any honest pursuit of what is true, good, and beautiful, of any honest pursuit of what it means to be human is to be humble enough to ask, to be humble enough to assume you don't have all the answers Mm -hmm. built in, to be humble enough to dialogue with people that you love and even people that you know you would fiercely disagree with, with a confidence that truth ultimately wins out. Yeah, and not you. That's right, not you. you, Yeah, yeah, because I think that the, the, you know, the, to grab the the bull by the horns, you know, by the throat yeah. is the attitude oh, yeah. that yeah. And Chesterton doesn't even take that. He loves his opponents. I know. So it's not like I that know. cold, hard apologetics that forgets the person and wins the argument. You yes. know, he, he's engaging what's real here. Right. And it's so easy. I mean, we're in the age of the internet. I'm glad there's two of us. Cause if it's like just me in a screen, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> killing the, you know, my opponent, this, whatever it is, you <laughs> Protestant, you you know, it, it's so much different when you're, yeah. you you know, I, I don't I don't know who said it, but you, you can't evangelize what you don't love. You That's can't, right. And you can't even, all right, so say you're you're an atheist. And say, you, you, if you have to love first, right? Yeah. But this, it all begins in this not taking yourself too seriously. That's right. Being confident in something outside of yourself. And that's what he says. He says, self-confidence is weakness. He calls it hysterical and superstitious belief. <laughs> That's you know? so good. It is so It's so good. different from, I mean, like, you know, be self-confident, be confident in yourself. You can yes. do anything. Yes. Obviously, you can't do anything. Yeah. You can't even leave your house right now. You can't communicate without Facebook. Uh-huh. That's Jimmy, messed up. I remember last time I was in Nashville, I was driving around and you had your GPS on. I said, don't you know how to get around your own town? Well, it's probably a new place. Who knows what was going on that day? <laughs> Who knows? You said, you no, know? I've always got this thing on. <laughs> That's not true. I've got, you probably convicted me that day because I've gotten a lot less, you know, attached Good. to my GPS. Okay. So in all seriousness, though, we have to question <laughs> the humility of having contact with the common man with yeah. the actual ideas. Yeah. And not just listening passively and not, and I think this is a point he makes at the beginning. Yep. Hold on. Here's a quote. Here's a quote. And I'm going to relate it to technology and your uh, GPS-ness. <laughs> he says, I will not call it. So he's talking about what this book, what he's going to yes. write. I will not call it my philosophy for I did not make it. God and humanity made it. And it made me. Do you know that song? I did not make it. No, it is making me. It's not the invention of any man. Okay, so there's a guy named Rich Mullins. It's a real song. Two weeks away from coming into full communion with the Catholic Church before he was thrown out of a Jeep in a tragic car accident in 1997. Really? One of the most important people in the music industry and specifically the Christian music industry in the late, you know, 80s into the mid 90s. Okay. But he wrote a song called Creed. And a friend of mine, Andrew Peterson, has Rich Mullins' copy of Orthodoxy. And you can see where he underlined that very line you just quoted. Did he really? Because he knew that this was not about him, his philosophy. This was about a God who made me and a God who made this philosophy. So then that, that moment of realization is a moment of, na- of necessary humility. Because when you all of a sudden you realize you're not a self-made man. Yeah. And relating it back to the... We all we think we're radically free. So I think the, the big myths most of us moderns believe, we think we're radically free. 
and that we've reasoned our way to all of our beliefs. Mm. When really most of them we have just absorbed That's unquestionably. Right. And now we're in this, the, the myth, I think, in the coronavirus era has been completely exploded because we're stuck at home. We can only communicate through certain mediums zoom, zoom. that are censoring us in many cases <clears throat> that we think are free. And, you know, to relate it to the GPS thing, it's when we don't have contact with our place, where we are, what's around us, reality itself, mm -hmm. we actually just listen to what the machine tells us. Yeah, that's right. And when it says turn left, we turn left. Mm -hmm. And left we go. Yeah. Left, left, left. And the awakening that Chesterton begins is just to open your eyes. It's yeah. not, again, it's so because, so huh. everything else is the intellectual construct. It's the house of cards. He's just saying, wake up and see it's cards. It's yeah. just, and and the biggest one that we have to begin with is you're not God, right? Yeah. You're not, and you haven't reasoned mm. to all your, you're not a reasonable person. Mm. We think we're in an age of reason. If we were in an age of reason, we wouldn't have advertisements, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> advertisements try to bypass your reason so that you buy that stuff, yeah. right? He says, the only sane one is is the one who knows he's got a touch of the demon <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the madman inside. That's right. You yeah, know? and not, not some kind of yin and yang, but, but right. like, I realize- that I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all. You know, something's really wrong with the world, and I am. You yeah, know, as Chesterton would say. Yeah, what is it? That that uh, famous column for the front page of the the London Times, right? right. What, what's wrong with the world? I am. I am. You yeah. know, that's really his starting point. And I think just to make it really clear, let's set some ground rules here. We're not going to be scholarly because we're not <laughs> right yeah. uh, penetrating. You know, the brilliant work of Chesterton's philosophy, or as he put it, God's philosophy. We want to basically like highlight some of the key moments that we think are really, really prophetic for our times, as well as just really convicting, inspiring, challenging right. to us personally, you right. know? Yeah. Uh, because frankly, I could probably pull out 30% of this book that I don't understand because of references, because of context, that I don't have the time or even the desire to look yeah. up and, and perfectly understand. I did understand. look up some of the towns, like, what is he talking? Because he's yeah. an Englishman and he's talking as if I know- That's right. You know, you move from this neighborhood to that neighborhood and, and I look it up and yes. like, oh, it's a slum in London. That's okay, right. And right. some editions of this book have <laughs> countless footnotes on every single page. Right. We decided we just want to like pull out the goal. Just keep going. Pull out the wisdom and really inspire people to keep going. And I think no, I, that's really key. Yeah. And I think we can't be scholarly because we're not. <laughs> I know. I know. But in, like, in, uh, I, I think I have the, the, perhaps it's in my blood. I don't know if my family, are we allowed to believe in those sort of things? See, we all think we're totally isolated. I don't, I, I don't inherit anything. I am, but you know, my, I want to have my grandfather, the scientist and the, and the builder, right? So the common man and the thinking man. <clears throat> so, yeah, I like this book. I don't get all of it. I'm able to go through it. And there's a lot of guys that think they can't get through it, mm -hmm. but they are the object of the book. That's right. right. Their sanity is something I look up to. That's right. Uh, so, you know, the, the Sword and Spade magazine is, it's for those guys that don't know. What's the tagline again? <clears throat> well, it's not a tagline. It's sort of my motto that I got yeah. it from Peter Morin, which is every working man a scholar and every scholar a working man. I love that. And <clears throat> what he, the point he was making is that there is this grand intellectual tradition of the church that is amazingly cohesive, consistent, obviously true when you dive into it. And when you're in it, it's just exciting, but it's, it's, it's kind of hidden away. And if you're mm. not able to get in there, everyone's in there having this amazing time and you're locked outside the party. Yeah. Right? But on the other hand, those guys that run the risk that they run is that they're so, sometimes they can get so abstracted from dirt 
mm-hmm. and toil and family and diapers and the common man's life that they literally detach truth from reality, which yeah. is a danger. Yeah. So he wanted to, you know, that these things had this wisdom that they need to be interacting. That's you know, right. so kind of that Benedictine work and prayer. So the high and the low. Wendell Berry yeah. calls it the high and low culture, but he mm. says there's no high culture without low culture. I love that. It's kind of a building block. So anyway, I think, that, so in Sword of Spade, we have, we're writing for and to and with and alongside common men. Mm-hmm. And, but also respecting and going towards the, you know, the higher things in mm-hmm. life. And it's important to recognize that those common men, as you put it, is the kind of men that Chesterton are the kind of men that Chesterton wanted to be around yeah. and probably spent most of his time around when he could. Right, right. You know, he says, I'm not writing for my fellow intellectually elite. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm writing for and with and alongside the common man, as you put it, because that's where the principles of this book are most lived. Yeah, he's always tearing someone down from yeah. where they think there's, I mean, I, yeah. I, one quote, it's not in this book, but he, someone said, you know, the best of men devote themselves to politics. Mm. And he said, uh, I have found the opposite to be true. The best of men devote themselves to pigs and babies. <laughs> yeah, right? so, yeah, that's exactly which right. Which we have lots of on my farm. Yeah, you um, do. So yeah, you do. that doesn't make me a good man because the, they're not always uh, well-fed. The but, pigs are, not the kids. But. Again, this like beautiful irony that Chesterton, that's not even an irony, just the, the, the paradox of probably one of the most brilliant people of the early 20th century didn't hesitate to call himself the fool of his own story and dared anybody to hurl him from his throne. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, so here he says, and he's he's talking about, so he, he the, the book is called Orthodoxy, which in his era, I'm trying to think of what an, an analogy would have been to naming something that, mm. because this was, I think now there's some people where it's kind of cool maybe to be orthodox, but they were still in the era where modernism had not fallen from its throne because mm. of world wars and failure of, of industrial systems and all that people were still really confident in the modern era that science was going to lead us to utopia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't see that science could also invent the, the atomic bomb, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he doesn't know, but this, this I'm trying to think of an analogy. This wouldn't have been a cool word, right? Mm. But he's saying this, and, and he's putting it, and he's very careful to make sure that you know it's not, he's clever in this book, but it's not his own cleverness that led him there. I have discovered not that they were not truths, but simply that they were not mine. Mm. And he goes on, I did try I did try to found a heresy of my own. That's just hilarious. I mean, I just, who would say that? And when I had put on the last touches to it, I discovered that it was orthodoxy, <laughs> right? So that's the beginning of this book. And so we're trying to begin. That's so good. Do you know what that reminds me of? I tried to found a heresy of my own. A few years ago, I tried to found a religious order of my own, <laughs> only to find that I kept coming back to the most like essential truths of our baptism. Yeah, which is that all of us are mm-hmm. called to a life of fervent prayer and and apostolic. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw you had up here um, the Benedict Option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, because I live on a farm. People think that's what Benedict Option means, mm-hmm. and we kind of skipped town. We were living in a city, and then we moved to a farm. So it's like, oh, they're doing it. But you pray in your cave every day, right? For hours. <laughs> yeah. You know? What's funny is the Benedict Option was this. It was going to be this. You know, it's going to like show us the way. Mm. And then I read the whole book, and I thought I was really. Basically, it's just be Christian. That's very right. Ordinary. That's right. There wasn't anything particularly groundbreaking about it, other than maybe the pre-marketing of the book was right. really good. Yeah. <laughs> As someone living on a farm, I'm like, it's certainly not an agrarian proposition at all. I mean, right. You know. So anyway, that's what a lot of people think it but, is. And nor is it this. Let's go hide. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Rather than 
engage with culture and redeem it from the inside out. And that's yeah. again, where Chesterton was at its best, at his best is one, as you put it, if he ever evangelized, it was always first in friendship and in love mm-hmm. and in humility, mm-hmm. you know? Anybody who dares go out, you know, and just put out their little monologues on YouTube expecting whatever to, to move yeah. hearts or to move minds or to yeah. move culture. Like there, there might be a very few messages out there that have been put on videos and things that maybe moved someone, but in general, yeah, every conversion I've seen my own conversion conversions of those in, in around in my life, like reality, it is, it's that friendship, the, the, and again, the encounter with the other person as a person, the humility to realize that they've got their everything that they've inherited. You've got everything you've inherited, right? <clears throat> but that what's actually common amongst you, and he'll get into this, is your your sin and God. Yeah, right? and, and let's uh, jump into that because that's exactly where he starts, chapter two. Another very unpopular thing, kind of like yeah. orthodoxy. But he just has a way, you know. You're won over <laughs> with his humor and his fatness. Uh, he says the ancient Fat masters, and funny. <laughs> the ancient masters of religion, they all begin with the fact of sin. This is bottom of page fourteen. Okay, for those who have the Love Good Edition at home. Bottom of page 14. (laughs) They began with the fact of sin, a fact as practical as potatoes. Whether or not man could be washed in miraculous waters, there was no doubt at any rate that he wanted washing. You know, we're we're back to the same, well, what's wrong with the world? I am. You know, that all of us have a part to play in this chaos that is original sin. Gosh, there's so much alliteration going on. Practical as potatoes, part to play. Wanted washing. Wanted washing. So good. (laughs) He goes, certain new theologians, not you and I, that's for sure, dispute original sin, which is the only part of Christian theology which can really be proved. (laughs) The strongest saints and the strongest skeptics alike always took positive evil as the starting point of the argument. Which is, okay, so I have someone, I have a close friend. I don't know where he is now, so he's not physically close, but he, you know, he's like traveling and he's very modern, but also very like Buddhist, Mm. very Eastern, which he, you know, Later in the book, talks about why that's so alluring to a post-Christian. Have you ever noticed, like, generally in our culture, when they criticize religion, they're criticizing Christianity. Right. When they praise religion, they're praising something from the East. You type in prayer into any of the public domain free royalty photo sites, and you don't get Catholics or evangelicals. Yeah. You get Buddhists in prayer. Yeah, that's right, because they're cool. Because they're still cool. And there's reason for that, which we'll talk about later, why— it's an easy pill to swallow while the cross is not. And <clears throat> sorry, where were we going here? Oh, oh, oh. But he, I remember when we first started our friendship, I think he sensed he came over. He's like, good grief. There's kids everywhere. <laughs> Crucifix on the wall. I think I get this guy. And he was going to like help enlighten me. I said something about someone. I said something about lust. And he stopped me right there as if he wanted to do something to say like, and it, we'll talk about this in a later episode of why there's a view that, you know, it's not really, lo- or it's not, you know, there's dismissing of sin that it's not really there. It's not really happening. And, mm. we, you know, a totally different understanding than just breaking some sort of moral order. And uh, how quickly, though, it's like we, we had this discussion and, th- and I think it began our friendship, which is you're kidding me, right? It's the most obvious thing in the world to me that a man can look at a woman in a way that is destructive Somehow, even before it might be destructive to her, it's destructive to him. He can on the sense inside, that. yeah. And he, because he's the great thing was that he ha- also happened to be a male, yeah. So it was this undeniable reality that he thought it was. This is the easiest thing to get rid of. And if you think about it, if everybody wants washing, you're providing a a way out 
of the sin by denying it. Yeah, yeah, he says that later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, that's yeah. that's your way out. Uh-huh. And he was offering me a way out. Hey, man, we don't have to worry. And it's, and it's like to say, you know this. Mm. If you know lust and before it, it ever hurts a woman, it hurts you. And you already yeah. know that. Yeah. I don't have to prove that to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's this Prasco's potatoes later. He calls it. And again, this I'm like, you didn't need to do this. He mm. calls it also plain as Pike staff. Another <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> right. People don't know this, but in, in, maybe you don't know this, but in writing, the way to get something to stick is to have alliteration. And he so uses it so well. I mean, dead as a doornail, PayPal, right? Pay it pal. stuff sits because it, but anyway, plain as Pike staff. Yeah. And here we go again. Page 16, right in the middle. He says oddities. Well, they only strike ordinary people. Oddities don't strike odd people. That's why ordinary people have a much more exciting time while odd people are always complaining of the dullness of life. This is also why new novels die so quickly and why the old fairy tales endure forever. You know, there's never been a fairy tale that denied sin. Right. It's the, the reality of yeah. evil. Playing as Pike Staff. Right. The yeah. whole nature of a fairy tale is it's the fight against evil. Right. The fight against our, our lower natures. And it know? is that. I think even to this day with the abuse of words like mercy that right when we're the the easiest point to meet someone and i think this is harder when you're in when you're in a, a a totally intellectual environment but when you're dealing with someone who is in sin whether the the personal collapse of the inner man that they're experiencing it's the most obvious thing in the world it's the easiest place to start mm. and at the same time both modernism inside and outside the church so just modern thought and then modern theology they want to begin getting rid of the most common thing to all of us. Yeah. Which in the in the point, the you know, the what is the the, the chapter called where we're getting it? The maniac. Mm-hmm. Right. It makes us lunatics mm-hmm. because we're we're denying the most obvious thing in the world, right? So if we're denying that, everything we're going to build after that is going to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's the easiest place to start. I mean, you you know, I came from a Protestant tradition. That's where people begin. You're a sinner. Mm. Now I will admit now, but because people so deny culpability and we're so narcissistic right where if if you're offended it's or if something has been done wrong to you you probably deserved it it's not my fault mm-hmm. right that is more difficult but i still think that's the common place of just like he's beginning in humility yeah I, i'm not on a throne that's hard to overturn and why because i like you am a sinner yeah me more so than you probably and if anybody be. needed a throne or was worthy of one, a big one, obviously. <laughs> it was Gilbert Keith. You make fun of fat guys one more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's your last warning, Jimmy. I have to say, it's a really beautiful place to start any conversation about faith, about culture, about even politics, about what it means to be human, and certainly what it really means to live the principles of a book like Orthodoxy in our times. Yeah, because um, he follows that thread throughout. He does. And you see it constantly in his making fun of himself and his recognition of his own, ah, yeah, tendencies towards madness, you know? Right. And in fact, it's only the one who doesn't think he's mad that is truly mad, you know? But I think this is a really beautiful summary. And mm-hmm. we'll close with this. This imagery here is so perfect. He says, how much happier you would be if you only knew that, well, people really care nothing about you. <laughs> how much larger your life would be if yourself could become smaller in it, if you could really look at other men with common curiosity and pleasure. You'd begin to be interested in them because they were not interested in you. 
You would break out of this tiny and tawdry theater in which your own little plot is always being played, and you would find yourself in a freer sky, in a, a street full of splendid strangers. How much happier you would be, how much more of you there would be, if the hammer of a higher God could smash your small cosmos, scattering the stars like spangles, and leave you in the open, free like other men, to look up. Isn't it interesting he calls, he uses the word theater. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, in the age of social tiny media, and tawdry theater. We, we, it's our theater, our tiny and tawdry Instagram accounts. It's, it's a theater, right? It's, <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's a presentation. <laughs> and, and, and we wonder why anxiety is on the rise, right. you know? Right. And then th this is something we say in fraternus a lot is, and it's freeing mm. to, Hey, stop trying to be interesting to everyone and be interested. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a, and I know that, you know, that sounds like a, a kish little saying, but man, that's what he's saying right there. That's right. It's how much freer it is to be interested in the person than to try to engage in the theater of making them interested in you. Yeah. Presuming you're interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful place to start any conversation about the truth and any pursuit of truth. Jason, I still think we're just barely scratching the surface. We're only on page 22 in my edition, which is your edition, which is the Love Good edition. Go to joinlovegood.com <laughs> right now. Um, and we're going to send it out. Right? I was going to say, right. so that's that's the plan. And that's good to just uh, remind people that this is a really exciting partnership between Love Good and Sword and Spade. Who? Love. No, it's Jimmy and Jason. Good. Jimmy, Jimmy and Jason and read Jason. Orthodoxy. Because we, we like uh, everybody else in the world, is, is, is hungry for the truth and hungry for an honest pursuit of that truth that right now is pretty hard to find. Reading yeah. our, we don't have to our, make it our up. papers and it's orthodox. Scrolling our feeds. That's right. Scrolling our feeds. So, uh, Never yeah. being fed. Yeah. To be continued. Old fashioned dance floors will up our shoes. And if you spin me it all to me, even before we are You're listening to Century Treasures by Michelle Mandico featuring Scott Mulvihill. This is from her 2015 EP, Half Captive. What an amazing start to this chapter one, chapter two, deep dive into orthodoxy, this perennial work by G.K. Chesterton. Now, there's so many of us out there who have perhaps heard of Chesterton. Maybe we're big fans of C.S. Lewis. We, we love Tolkien. Uh, we're familiar with people like John Henry Newman. But Chesterton is one of these intellectual giants. It, it can be a bit intimidating to know even where to start, but he's one of these minds, these brilliant minds who has influenced countless people, especially since the release of this great book, Orthodoxy. And so wherever you find yourself out there, this summer is an incredible opportunity to re-engage intellectually, to begin thinking a bit more deeply. This is right at the heart of not only raising our standard for music, books, and art, you know, reading a great classic work of, of, of nonfiction like this, it's an incredible thing to do, but even more so to cultivate the art of being human, to, to really 
understand first principles. And today we talked about humility in our pursuit of truth. What could be more fundamental than that? And if you have not yet gotten your hands on a copy of Orthodoxy, specifically the Love Good Edition, all you gotta do is go to lovegoodculture.com slash store. In fact, if you wanna go ahead and buy 10 copies, that's a great idea because this is an amazing time of the year to form a book study, to get together with family and friends. Take notes in the margins, underline your copy of the book and let this book not only shape you, but even change you for the better as you look in at someone else's both intellectual and spiritual journey towards faith. Y'all are amazing. Hope you have a great, rest of your week, a continuation of the month of June. And as always, tune in for our live stream this Thursday night. Go to letbeautyspeak.com for all those details. And next week, I'll be back with Jason Craig going further up and further in to this beautiful work by G.K. Chesterton called Orthodoxy. We'll see you then. And in the meantime, be assured of our prayers and keep us in yours as well. Peace. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.